right, good morning. Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9 today. Isaiah chapter 9 as we launch into Advent with a look at one of the greatest Old Testament prophets and his prophecy concerning the coming of Christ. My name is Pastor Dale. If you're new here, I'd love to meet you out in the plaza afterwards. Uh, donuts are on me if you come and say hi. How's that? Is that a good offer? So anyway, not for all of you, just for the new people, all right? So don't besiege me with a big crowd there, okay? But, but welcome to Seacoast. Let's pray as we launch into the Word. Father, Father, thank you. What a great time of the year this is. What a great time of the year to focus on your Son and the gift that you gave. What a great time of the year to uh, love the people around us in special, uh, very meaningful ways. Um, what a great time of the year, Father, also to... Uh, Examine our lives and say, Lord, uh, work in us through this season. It's so easy to get caught up in all the stuff of our culture, but we pray that you would use us here at Seacoast to uh, stimulate one another to uh, learn what it means to not just do uh, Christmas, but to, to be Christmas. And I pray you teach us through your word in Christ's name. Amen. You know, doing Christmas in today's world is never easy. Let me just ask this question. How many of you spent the last two days relaxing putting up Christmas decorations? Raise your hand. None of you were putting Was it the relaxing part that fooled you or the, did you? How many people spent part of the last few days decorating something other than the turkey? Okay, yeah. Well, it's coming, unless you've all just decided to bail out on Christmas. You know, like Christmas with, uh, what was the family, the Cranks or whatever. But maybe you've canceled your Christmas. We haven't canceled Christmas at the Burke's house. So, I, yeah, yesterday was the day, you know, Becky lovingly said, you will do this. And we joyfully joined in together and, uh, and, and got it all done. Got it pretty much all done. But, you know, as I looked at Christmas as a culture... I came up with some interesting little bit of research. So let me just kind of set you up for this series with a few things of what Americans will do this Christmas. This Christmas is the season to be spending. There is no doubt about that. In fact, the good news for the economy is that the uh, surveys only indicate about a 4% bump again this year in what you will spend this Christmas. Now, what's that look like for the economy? It means that the average person is going to spend... $481 per person on gifts. Now, some of you right now are thinking, is that all? And others of you are thinking, whoa, I wish, I wish that was me. But, you know, but that's the average. $481 per person is the expected average. What's that total up? On Christmas as a whole, we're going to spend around 45, not million, but billion dollars. $45 billion. Tis the season not just to be spending, but if you spend it, you got to ship it, right? So it's a season for shipping. Even Christmas cards. Okay, let's just start with Christmas cards alone. How many Christmas cards do we purchase? Expected 6.5 billion Christmas cards, okay? At a cost of about $8 billion. That's not including postage, putting the total bill for those messages that we send out to all the people that we ignore for a year and then say, I love you at Christmas. Yeah. And that's going to cost about $13 billion, including postage. And that's not even counting the annual photo shoot. How many of you do an annual photo shoot sometime this time of the year? Am I the only one that celebrates Christmas? Come on. 
Yeah, you need to get with it. I don't want an out-of-date picture of your family, okay? Yeah, okay, so anyway, I'm just kidding. But, you know, we do it, you know, it's sometime around Christmas, and we do it on the cheap, you know, so we just kind of gather the kids in front of the house, you know, set up the tripod, boop, and hope we get a, one picture out of all those pictures that's good enough for the annual Christmas postcard with a picture of the Burks. If you want one, send me your email address. I'll email it to you. I'm not, you're not worth a stamp. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Number three, tis the season to be decorating. If you ship it, spending, shipping, decorating. What are we going to spend on decorating? Any guess? How many billion dollars do we spend on decorating? Two? I hear a two. I hear a one. How about six? Six billion dollars is the estimated amount we will spend this year on uh, trees, lights, inflatable 16-foot Santas, all this kind of stuff that you see in the neighborhood. In fact, it's interesting. We'll, we'll buy about 30 million Christmas trees this year at a cost of about $800 million. But the real ticket is for the fake trees. Fake trees are up. Real trees, $800 million. Fake trees, what do you think? $2.6 billion on fake trees. I, let me tell you something. When Becky and I got married, we absolutely said we are authentic followers of Jesus. We will never buy a fake tree. We did. So, in fact, we, we, we would cut ours out of the woods. In fact, our first year of marriage, we went on some stranger's property and just cut down a tree. I mean, seriously, that's a true confession, okay? You know, Becky said, oh, I know this farmer. He won't care. You know, but I don't know. But, you know, you know the fact that it was like 20 feet from his house in his front yard didn't matter. But anyway, you know, his mailbox was more visible. But, you know, but the, I didn't do that, really. I didn't do that. But we did cut it off at some guy's farm because we, couldn't, we didn't spend on, money on trees. But I did say, you know, if Jesus is a real Jesus, I want a real tree. Amen? Amen. And then I remember the year, we're living in Fullerton, that my kids got old enough to drive. My oldest son was in college. My youngest daughter was in high school. I was really busy getting ready for all the Christmas stuff at the church. And, and that year only did I say, you know something, I know we've always gone out and gotten the tree as a family, came back, had the eggnog and the cookies, put it up. But, you know, some guys... Here's my credit card. You go, guys, you go get me a tree. Now, never, never do that. <laughs> After my son borrowed a pickup truck to haul it, they show up at the door and they, and they say, Dad, we got the tree. Dad, we just couldn't resist. Dad, it was the most incredible tree we've ever seen. Now, we had a big, high living room ceiling. You've got to picture this, okay? So they had, no lie, a real, authentic, just like Jesus, 14-foot tree. Now, what's a 14-foot tree cost you in Southern California? You know. Okay. Next year, when Costco had the post-Christmas sale, I bought a fake tree. Because I thought, you know, what's Jesus want? Me spending this much on a tree? I won't even tell you how much it was. Okay, it's embarrassing. But, you know, but, but the reality was, this is what we do at Christmas. This is what we do. Everyone wants to... You know, I don't, I've never wanted to be the nicest house on the street. I'll let some other neighbor pay the bill for that, okay? But you also don't want to be the Scrooge or the Grinch that ignores Christmas. After all, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is his birthday. So we do a little bit of minor decorating. But I also don't want to be embarrassed. But I'm also thankful I don't live next to this guy. It's true.
Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> wow, I could just watch that all day. So here's the deal. If you come on time next week, we're going to see another one of those right before the service. Hey, let's do that. Every week during Advent, we show you an incredible Christmas video if you come two minutes before the service. Is that a deal? Uh, we're going to do this. I just made this up, but we're going to do it. I like those. Okay, one such home in Delaware actually boasts of being the most decorated home in America. It boasts of over one million lights on the house. One million lights. What's that cost? $686 per hour in electricity. Their average bill for the entire season last year, 82000 plus, just to light up the neighborhood, okay? Now, but what do you spend, okay? If you're the nicest house on the block, the nicest house on the block is a lot more conservative. It averages about a $500 boost on electricity. Tis the season to be decorating, shipping, spending. Tis the season to consume. Consume. Thanksgiving dinner, Thursday, Friday, whichever day you did it. How many calories do you think we average as Americans? Now I'm really getting personal, aren't I? Here's the number. Four, five, oh, oh, in one great meal. Now, the good thing is I did some research on this, and actually the body can only absorb about 2,000 calories. Everything over 2,000 just passes through. You don't even get it. So anyway, so enjoy. Okay, that's... Do you believe that? No, it's not true. It's not true. Okay, okay, not true. Tis the season to be consuming, decorating, shipping, spending, to be going. Last one. AAA reports... For the fifth year in a row, more of us will travel than ever. 95 million will go more than 50 miles from home. 30% will take a special trip. 86 million by car, 5.5 million by plane, at an average cost of $765 per person. Wow. And all of this leads to this. Tis the season to be stressed. With all seriousness, the Mayo Clinic writes this. The holiday season often brings unwelcome guests, stress and depression. Major stress over finances, loneliness, grief, estrangement, divorce, or just trying to please everyone. Their research says that when it comes to these unwelcome guests, women are two times more likely than men to experience it. Because they're the ones that handle the load this time of the year. So what if we changed it in 2014? Because I think if we as a church said, you know something, I don't do all that, then we're lying to ourselves. The culture has managed to take the birthday of the least economically driven man in human history. Who didn't have a bed to lay down on and didn't care and turned it into something that we measure the success of Christmas by the economy. So just knowing that this is the tendency of the culture, and I know I'm not immune to it, I'm very much affected by it. Man, I, I, I want to spend and buy and ship and decorate. I don't want to decorate, but I want to do all the rest of them. <laughs> and I sure want to consume. And I'd love to go. But what if we did a little less stressed, a little less 
going, a little less consuming, a little less decorating, shipping, spending, what are we left with? Tis the season to be. Now there's the thought. I want that to soak a little bit. Tis the season to be Christmas. See, maybe what God really wants us to strive to do this year, and it's not going to be easy, because it runs so against the grain of the culture, is maybe God really wants us to think and pray about what would it look like if we did a little less doing. And by the way, I'm not asking you to cancel all the fun out of Christmas. Christians get accused too often of taking the fun out of life, man. I think it ought to be fun because we're celebrating something incredible. So I'm okay with a little bit of all the stuff that was on that list. But what if we tried to simplify this year to be more of Christmas and do a little less? To not just be celebrating the gift, but be the giver. To not just be turning on the lights, but to be the light. To not just be singing of God's love, but to actually think, what can I do this year in honor of the birth of the greatest gift, greatest act of love ever to exist, to actually love someone that I normally don't love? To surprise someone with love this Christmas. I think we as a church need to move a little bit toward taking back this season. But we got to do it together. A few years ago, there was a small group of three or four churches that launched something that's kind of spread around the country. I don't think we've ever done it here at Seacoast, called the Advent Conspiracy. This is what I'm kind of talking about. So watch this.
that's what we want you to think about this year, is how can we as a church not just do Christmas, we're going to do it, but also be Christmas. So open your Bibles, because we're going to begin to explore this. This year, don't just do Christmas, but be Christmas. That's the theme you're going to hear for the next four weeks uh, in different ways as we examine the different themes that you saw in that video. So this year, don't just do Christmas, be Christmas. That's the point, okay? Now, what do we mean by that? You'll notice that on that video, there were four themes that were developed. And they're not new with us, but we love developing those in our own way for here at Seacoast. Here they were. Number one, worship fully, because this is God's story. This is God's story. And this is a story that is so incredible, it ought to move us to worship more passionately. It ought to, worship, it ought to move me to teach with more passion. It ought to move, move you to, to be and come eager, ready, on time to worship. Not just for this season, but let it be a habit that could grow year-round. Let's, let's say and ask the question, what can we do this Christmas to kind of up our worship, you might say? How do we take our worship to, to one level up? whatever that means. We're going to be talking about that later on. Number two is to spend less. You know, if there's anything true about the first Christmas, it was a Christmas of simplicity. There, there didn't need to be a lot of extra stuff. I mean, yeah, the wise guys came from the east and they brought gifts, but you also had poor shepherds come and they had nothing to offer except themselves. And and you had people engaged around a baby born and, and uh, born of a virgin and laying in a manger because there's no room for them, even at the, the simple hostile-type place that they tried to check into. Everything about it was simple. It didn't cost a lot, but then it cost God everything. Hence, give more. Spend less, but give more. In the spirit of Christmas, this is a great month for us to challenge our generosity. Challenge our generosity. We always encourage you to give because, yes, like every church in America, our December giving goal is like twice as much. But this series is not about just raising money for Seacoast. Okay, you'll take care of Seacoast. We trust that you'll pray this month and give as God leads you to help us finish our year strong. But we want to put the focus more on giving local, giving global, giving outside of us, and learning and stretching and growing in generosity. And that's not just generosity of money. I love in the video that they say, give more presents. Did you notice the spelling of that? Not presents with a T-S, but presents with an S-E. So give more of yourself. Spend more time together with people. Give away your time and your love and your presence. And then, of course, love more as the final sermon right before Christmas. That's what we mean. So to get started, let's look at an Old Testament prophet to set the mood for the month. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 9 with me, and we will listen to the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 9. Listen to Isaiah 9, the ancient story of the prophet Isaiah. I think it's one of the greatest, maybe the greatest single prophecy in Scripture about the coming of Jesus. It says, and the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Verse 2, we're in verse 2. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence. And with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the, wound of the booted warrior in the battle tumult, 
and cloak will be rolled in blood and will be used for burning fuel for the fire. That's a wild verse. We'll talk about that another week. Here we go. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it, uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Amen? Yeah, what a great passage. A passage focused on this gift that we call Jesus. It's a prophecy of a child that will be born. It's a prophecy of a, of a light. Let me walk you through the passage and break it into about one, two, three, four, five themes in the passage. Number one, you should be worshiping fully for these four reasons. Number one, the coming of Jesus was like a great light. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine upon them. Interesting, this exact passage is later quoted. In John's Gospel, John talks about the coming of Jesus as being the light of the world and the light that is the source of all life. But then I love Zacharias' prophecy. I'll show it to you on the screen so you don't have to leave Isaiah if you've got your Bibles open. Zacharias said this when Jesus was, was to be born. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, the sunrise from on high will visit us to shine on those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. What a great prophecy. See, the idea is without Jesus, we are all in the shadow of death and darkness. Yeah, it looks like the sun's out right now. It's supposed to rain Tuesday, but until then, it's pretty nice. But the reality is, spiritually, we are in spiritual darkness, and we have only one thing to look forward to, which is death and then eternal death beyond that. And Jesus is like the sunrise. And he describes it. I mention this every Christmas Eve when I talk about us being light and, and Christ being the light. It's my favorite passage. If you've ever been up at sunrise, somewhere where you can see that, uh, eastern horizon and you can see and it's kind of dark and all of a sudden all of a sudden it's kind of like the uh, the sun just begins right before it comes over and you see those those streams of lights coming out you remember that and they just kind of go whoosh across the sky and it's that sunrise and then especially if you're somewhere cold like where i grew up in west virginia there's nothing better than in the morning when it is cold and you're bundled up and you're outside and and you see those whoosh uh, rays of light and then the sun begins to creep over the hill and it begins to just splash your face with warm light and, you know and it's just a great feeling and he says that's kind of how the coming of the messiah would be it says like the sunrise from on high he will shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death and he is going to warm your soul and he's going to provide life and that's the jesus that we celebrate if we stop and think of Christ as the light of a world that is in darkness, we ought to worship Him fully. Amen? Amen. Verse 3 continues. It's not just a great light, but He's a source of great joy, so worship fully. Notice all the joy words in verses 3 through 5. He says, He shall multiply or bless the nation. You shall increase their gladness. 
A Hebrew word for gladness, I, I looked it up, and it's a word that's a pretty broad word. It's not just a real spiritual word. It's, it's the word for the gladness at a party. It's the word for mirth. It's sometimes translated mirth or happiness or joy or gladness. And, and you know, it's like, man, it is time to be happy. It is time to rejoice. He mentions it four times. It says, increase their gladness. Be glad in your presence. And now we can have gladness in the presence of God. People usually don't think of being glad in the presence of God. If you were to think that right now you walked and you opened the door and God stood there, what would be your first emotion? Honestly. Answer? Mine would be fear. And I think if you look at Scripture, even those who were followers of Him, often that was the initial response is one of fear. Because, oh my gosh, I'm a sinful guy, and all of a sudden I'm standing in the presence of a holy God who is my God, my Creator, but also my Judge. And, and the human response would be fear. But He says, no, you, He'll increase your gladness in the presence of God. Because you know that you're at peace with God. That's going to come later. It's in the passage. Gladness in your presence. And then he's trying to describe what kind of gladness is he talking about. And he uses two illustrations. He says, with gladness of harvest. That's the kind of gladness I'm talking about. We should worship with the gladness of harvest. Now, see, the problem with that is most of us are not farmers. Because if you're a farmer or you're raising crops, especially in that land, then, then, then the reality is how often does harvest roll around? Answer? Once a year. For most crops, unless you live on the central coast of California where it never gets cold, most, it's usually an annual deal. So you spend your whole blasted year working for that day. It's as if you worked a whole year and only got paid once a year in your job. Now that would be a good day. Amen? Yeah, if you worked all year long, you got nothing. Didn't matter. All you got was sweat and work and the hope of someday they've said that at the year end you're going to get your paycheck. And all of a sudden it is payday after a year of hard work. That is a day to throw a party. And that's what he says. He says when we understand the significance of God sending His Son into the world to take those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and give them light and give them life. And he says, I, I'd be glad like, like the farmer is at the harvest day. And then he gets even more specific. And, and, and he says, and be glad as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. So he switches from the, from the, at, from the, from the uh, environment of the farmer to the environment of the warrior. And now, the, but he's not just the warrior in battle, he's the warrior post-battle, after the victory. In fact, he says, it's this warrior who has had, verse 4 and 5, in the great victory and lasting peace. So this is the, when you divide. See, in that day, one of the ways that they would often reward or pay the soldier was they knew that they got to divide the spoils of, of victory. So all the wealth, all the goodies of the, of the nation that they had conquered in warfare, they got to divide that wealth and, and the wealth was given out and that was a great payday. It's like, wow, the battle's over, now we get paid. So whether you're a farmer or a warrior, the image of this thing is, this is the day of the year to rejoice. And he's talking about the gift of Christ. He's talking about the coming of the Messiah. And then he gets more specific. It's a great light, a child is born, a great joy worth celebrating with Heavy joy, big joy, and that because it's a great gift. And he describes this child, King Jesus. 
And what he's saying is our full worship is about fully appreciating the fullness of who Jesus is. To worship fully, you need a full vision of Jesus. If you got, a, if you got the Jesus in the manger vision at Christmas and that's all you have, you have a holiday. But if you want a day worthy of extreme worship and joy, you've got to broaden the definition of, of who Jesus was. And it begins in verse 6. He says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders. He's going to be a king, and his name will be called, and he gives these labels, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Now just notice those words on the screen. Mighty King. Jesus is not just the, the simple, humble baby in the manger. He would grow up to be the King of kings. Lord of lords. He's the wonderful counselor. If you need wisdom this Christmas, he is the source. If you need comfort, he is the source. He's the mighty God. If you need help or power, no better choice than to have God on your side. That the Son of God was actually also God the Son. He's the mighty God. He's the eternal Father. From eternity past to eternity future, He is your Father. See, that's different. See, most people around the world that think they're even worshiping God, they would never think of saying, I worship the Father. They just say, I worship God. But we get a chance to know that God has declared us to be His children and He invites us into this intimacy of a, of a daddy-child, father-child relationship. It's incredible. Prince of Peace. That Jesus' specialty is bringing peace out of the stress, the conflict, and the separation. So Jesus has given us peace with God by paying the price for our sins. He enables us to have peace with one another because now we can give the same forgiveness and grace to others who hurt us. We can have peace in relationships, peace with God. We can have peace with the circumstances of our life because we know that we're in His hands and we're secure in His love and, and we have an eternal destiny of a new heaven and a new earth that we just studied in Second Peter. See, all of this promotes this sense of peace when the world is stressed. If you want to get rid of the stress, it starts with getting a bigger vision of Jesus. We could go on and on. Verse 7 talks about the great kingdom that this king will bring about. It's an ever-increasing kingdom of Christ. The phrases used are phrases like everlasting, ever-increasing, delivering peace, ruled by Christ, justice and righteousness. And then I love the way it ends in the end of verse 7. It says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. See, what I love about that is this kingdom that Jesus is building. He doesn't say, so you go build my kingdom. No, instead, he says the, the zeal of God is going to get it done. That's my translation. God is zealous to get this thing done. He is building a global kingdom of followers of himself, followers of his son, Jesus Christ. And you and I, as a result of Christmas, get to be a part of that. Man, let me give you two verses. Colossians 1, write these down, look them up this week. Colossians 1.13, here's your Christmas verse. For he rescued us from the... Let's read it with me. Can we read it out together? Here we go, read together. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom 
of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. See, we don't just come into life in Christ. We are made representatives of Christ on planet Earth because we live in the USA, and I love this country, but it's not my kingdom. I actually am part of an invisible thing called the kingdom of God that is being built, and it's a global international kingdom. It is a movement of God that He is growing around the world. I get to be part of that because of Christmas. And not only that, I get to be part of helping see it ever increase. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore, read this one with me, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, Isaiah began by saying, look, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And we know later that Jesus is that light. He is the light of the world, right? Now, let me tell you why I think that to really celebrate Christmas the way God intends, we need to remember that Jesus would later come along and basically say this to us. Now, I want you... I want, I, want to, I want to offer light to the world through you. Matthew 5.16, which was so wonderfully read, by the way. Best reading of it I've ever heard by a duo, okay? I love the duo reading. Nothing like a big brother helping a little brother out a little bit. I love that. But the verse I love that they read, he says, Therefore, be the light of the world. Don't just believe in, celebrate, worship, but now go and be the light. Let your light so shine that others see your God and glorify your Father in heaven. They see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So what is he saying? What he's saying is this, to worship fully according to Jesus is not just to worship the light and to hang the lights and to burn the lights, not to have the best lit house in the neighborhood, but to actually be the best lit person who has bought into Jesus and now Jesus is inviting the world to believe in him through you and through me we worship fully there are four action steps that you're going to hear about this month I I don't have to teach them to you because I've actually written them in your outline so take your outline out if you're not and just read them with me Or just look at them. Number one, when I say worship fully, here's the question. What's one new way we can focus our worship on God's gift this Christmas? I want to just turn you loose to be creative. Think of one new way that you can take your worship to the next level this Christmas. Number two, spend less. What can we give up or reduce to increase our capacity for generosity? And just be creative. Think about it. I'm not going to tell you what you should do because Becky and I will do some things and you do some things and together let's, let's hear the stories of what you're doing to say, you know something, this Christmas we're going to do this a little differently so that we can be more generous to both give local, give global as we seek to, number three, give more. What will I offer my king and his kingdom? And then love all. How many ways can I surprise someone with his love this year? Not just Christmas, but throughout the year each of us can come up with our own ways to put this into action but as a church as a body 
I think there's some really fun, joyful acknowledgement of these truths that we can do together. Uh, you know, I think as a, as a body of believers, we want to not just turn each one loose to do your own thing, but there are two major goals, and we've reduced the number of things this year. You may have noticed in November we didn't ask you to do several things we've done in the past. And it's because we didn't want to clutter you with too many different things. But we do want to do this. We think God is calling us to, to, to give local and give global. Give local, give global. Through loving Encinitas. Loving Encinitas and loving on the world, especially focused on Africa. Take out this insert, if you don't mind, and I'll show you that in a minute, this will explain exactly how you can be involved in giving local, giving global, beyond what you give in your tithes and offerings to our church. We don't want you to cut back there or else we're in deep trouble as we go into January, all right? So yeah, you need to follow your usual tradition of praying and giving generously in December. Most of us give an extra gift in December. My wife and I do that every year to support our church. You know that. You know that. We'll, give, we'll send you a letter about that. But today, today I want you to focus on this handout. Give local, give global. Why did we pick these two targets? The first is the Community Resource Center, where there are tremendous things happening in our community to care for those who are trying to move out of poverty. Watch this. When I first got the diagnosis of the pituitary tumor, I thought that I was going to die. I had four kids. I could not work anymore. I could not provide for my family anymore. I pawned everything I owned. I was evicted many times from my home here. The first time that I ever really reached out to anybody was through the CRC. When I walked through the doors, I started to realize everyone around me was just like me. It's just that they were in a different circumstance. What surprised me the most about Holiday Baths is how happy everybody was. It was the most wonderful experience I could ever explain to you. The Holiday Basket program was conceived so that we could provide a dignified shopping experience for the working poor in North County. They're families that support the underpinnings of our North County lifestyle. Most of them are working. Many of them live together to share rent, and they don't have the dollar power to go out and shop for their families at Christmas. I didn't realize how many families that live near us, right next door, have such a basic need for a coat or a, a warm meal. Uh -huh. Thank you. All right. Merry Christmas. When I realized that Ireland was going to get a bike for Christmas last year, I was in tears. And she was the happiest kid in the world. And she rides that bike every single day. Nothing compares to the feeling that I personally get by donating my time and energy and love and money to this organization. I, I've been doing it, like I say, for over 20 years, and I'll do it until I can no longer do it. We really believe that the CRC is a great organization. Many of our people are involved in helping organize and run this volunteer time. You can sign up to volunteer time there around the year and at the holidays. Uh, there are very tangible ways in which we're going to challenge you 
to, uh, to support them. Uh, if you go out to the Christmas tree outside, you'll see tags. One will say a boy or a girl. Here's a girl's tag and an age. And all you do is you take a tag and you buy a new gift for that uh, boy or girl of that age. And you bring it back with this tag. And, uh, and there's going to be a special place for you to drop those off marked over there. In fact, it says drop off. That's pretty easy to read. Okay. Okay, great. I love our staff doing that. And also there are holiday baskets needed. Uh, you know, I, I would challenge every one of us to uh, clean that tree off and we'll reload it next week if you clean it off today. A holiday basket, they have a, a list of preferred food items that they really need. And uh, you, you just fill up the, a bag with those. You bring it back with this tag and uh, there'll be a place to drop off those food baskets. And we'll see what God can do to help us partner with CRC and begin to reach out to those in need. There's also an international project that we have gotten excited about. Many of you have heard us talk about world relief in every trip we've done to Rwanda. It is that partnership that we have with Boots on the Ground in Rwanda. They have a new program called Empower a Hero, where we can financially support the training of, of not their staff, but the training of volunteers in villages all around Africa, especially in Rwanda, and, and, and by empowering these volunteers, they receive the tools and the training to actually begin to lift people out of poverty. And, and it's a great, exciting program that has a, a high-end re- reward at the end. So watch this brief video, and you'll get a two-minute glimpse into it. The reason I'm excited about Empower a Hero is because I have been there, I have seen this stuff in operation. Because the, the easiest way for me to illustrate it is this. Uh, there's nothing wrong with adopting an orphan and giving monthly to help care for an orphan. Uh, uh, Becky and I have done that. Many of you are doing that now. The difference in that and Empower a Hero 
is we give to a program that actually takes a village mother in poverty and equips her, trains her to begin to farm, gives her the tools she needs to become a farmer, and then she will adopt that orphan herself and bring them into her home. I have seen and met these kind of people. So the chance to empower them to provide for themselves clean water, empower them to provide for themselves savings groups that can launch entrepreneurial little businesses that begin to support the church, support the community, and begin to let the community care for its own poverty. That's exciting. They have a program where you can sign up, you can do a one-time gift, and there's an Empower a Hero card that I would challenge everyone to just pray about taking one of these off the tree. Take it home and pray about it. Talk to your spouse or your friends. You can do a one-time gift toward the program in December. You can also decide to sign up, that's my choice, to do a monthly gift of a minimum of $29 a month, and then, and then they will begin to, to help you hear the stories every month of what God is doing through this program. I, my prayer is that, is that hundreds of us at Seacoast will begin to uh, engage with World Relief one of our key partners in East Africa. So the details are on here. The details are on the back. You say, well, Dale, I can't remember exactly what to do, something about take a tag here and there. Just read this, and you'll get it. Pray, and over the next two weeks, we want to challenge you to make decisions, get involved, and for heaven's sakes, stop doing Christmas, at least not the way you used to do it. Make this year about be Christmas. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for the chance you give us to not just keep doing what we've always done, but to decide to ask you to use this Christmas to make a difference first in us. Help us to be different. Help us to become Christ in our communities, in our schools, in our workplace. Help us, Father, to give local, give global, be generous. Support our church, yes, but also to think beyond that to the needs locally and globally and to be Christ this Christmas. We love you. We pray that as we worship you now in response that you would uh, begin the process of shaping us changing us through the next four weeks of Christmas. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen.